Starting our new series today called Seek Wisdom, we're just in part one today, and I want to start off with a couple of true or false statements, so y'all help me out. First statement is this, first statement is this, there we go, true or false, we live in the information age, everybody agree with that? Second statement, true or false, we live in the age of wisdom, false, that's unanimous, right? When you look at our society, do you just marvel at the incredible amount of wisdom that's oozing oozing out of every person? Or do you look at our society and go, help me, Lord? (laughs) Right? Yes. Um, We could all sit around. We could tell stories of our foolishness, but I want to share a couple of stories with you today. Um, these actually come from something called the Darwin Awards. Now, let me, underst- let me tell you, I'm not, I'm not promoting Darwinism, but these are Darwin Awards, and here's the explanation of a Darwin Award. We commemorate those who improve our gene pool by removing themselves from it in the most spectacular way possible. This is actually a website. This was a guy at Stanford years ago in the early 90s. He started collecting these stories. It overwhelmed the server at Stanford, and so they had to start their own little website called DarwinAwards.com. I want to share just a couple of these with you. They're not funny, but you have to take your own self out in a spectacular way, and you're given a Darwin Award. All right, so here's the first one. Um, February 3rd of 1990, this was actually in the state of Washington. I'm just going to read this to you. The following mind-boggling attempt at crime spree appeared to be the robber's first and last due to his lack of a previous record of violence and his terminally stupid choices. Ready? His target was H&J leather and firearms, a gun shop. The shop was full of customers. What kind of customers are at a gun shop? Gun customers. To enter the shop, the robber had to step around a marked police car. Not an unmarked, not one that's hidden. It is marked and it's at the front door. He had to walk around it to walk into the establishment. The uniformed officer who had driven that police car is standing at the counter drinking a cup of coffee before work. Upon seeing the officer, the would-be robber announced a holdup and he fired a few wild shots. The officer and the clerk promptly returned fire, covered by several customers who also drew their guns, thereby removing the confused criminal from the gene pool. No one else was hurt. Right? You're going, why? How dumb can you be? Right? Second story happens in Louisiana, but it's not Louisiana, guys. This is a couple of Texas boys. Let me read this to you. This was actually this year. Black Bayou Drawbridge, situated six miles south of Lake Charles, Louisiana, was closed to car traffic and open for a boat to pass through. That drawn drawbridge presented an irresistible challenge to two Texas men names have been withheld, age 23 and 32, looking for fun on a Friday night. May their experiment be a warning to you, my friend. A witness observed that the passenger emerged, pushed the arm of the safety gate up, climbed back into the car, whereupon they, they, then the Chevy Cruze backed up a short distance, accelerated as hard as it could, up and over the drawbridge and into the river. Now, It took them a while, but the next day they found the car. This is legit. They found the car. They had to float it up. Both young men were dead. Two o'clock in the morning, Friday night. Sounds like a good idea. Let's jump a drawbridge. One of the comments when I read said, 
These guys were the flukes of hazard. Not the dukes of hazard, the flukes of hazard. You just ask your quest, your, yourself this question, why? Why would anybody do something so stupid? Alcohol, but have you ever asked the question of yourself, why did I do something so stupid, right? Now it seems so clear I shouldn't have been in that relationship. Now it seems so clear I shouldn't have been in those situations. And many of you who've been around a while, I'm now 55 years old, and I just keep saying this, but, you know, you're old when, when you're, you're, your age is a speed limit on a rural, you know, road sign, 55. I, just, I don't know why that's stuck in my mind, but I'm old. Those of us who had a few years of experience, we see other people in the same situations we were in, and what do we do? We want to say, oh, man, don't do what I did. And so we reach out to them, and we try to convince them, and they respond to us the same way we responded to other people who tried to speak wisdom into our lives. What do they say? But out. It's none of your business. Besides, I love him. Or I love her. And you're going, it don't matter. It's not worth it. And they turn their back on you and you walk away and you shake your head and you go, how could they be so stubborn? How could they be so stupid? <laughs> Short answer, why they won't listen? Why, you, why we don't listen? We're stupid. We're stubborn, we're stupid, we don't want anybody else to speak into our lives. How many of you would say most of the lessons you've learned in your life you've learned the hard way? I'm one of those. See, it's wise to learn from your mistakes. It's so much wiser to learn from the mistakes of others. Let's spread them around. Let other people make some and go, oh, I'm not going to do that. See, we ask the wrong questions, we get the wrong answers, and then we decide to do the wrong things, and then we wonder why our lives are so messed up. It doesn't have to be that way. So my, my little intro or my, my explanation of this series online was we're not born with wisdom, but according to the book of Proverbs, it is something we can acquire if we'll make some choices. Um, so the book of Proverbs offers these types of things. It says we can get life under control. We can make consistently excellent choices. We can say no to temptation. We can have better relationships. We can excel in our careers. And with those benefits, those are good benefits, right? Wouldn't you think everybody would just be clamoring to study the book of Proverbs? Is everybody clamoring to study the book of Proverbs? No, because we don't want people telling us what to do. Well, as we start this series, I'm going to read just a couple of verses to you, and they're very similar. They're both from Proverbs, and they say kind of the same thing. First one is, Proverbs 1-7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there's going to be some people in this series who will despise what God's Word has to say. The Bible calls you foolish. Second one is very much like it. Proverbs 9-10 says this, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. You build your life on the foundation of God's wisdom. He will protect you in the future. And I love this. Knowledge of the Holy One results in what? Good judgment. You see someone without good judgment? It means either they do not know the Lord, they do not know Him well, or they're not listening. Because this promise from God is, you'll have good judgment if you know me, if you spend time with me. So here's a definition of biblical wisdom we're going to be working with over these next few weeks. Knowing and obeying God. That's biblical wisdom. It's not enough just to know the right thing to do. Wisdom is when you do it. Knowledge is knowing the right thing to do. Wisdom is doing the right thing. So knowing and doing God's will. Now, I came across this picture. I was just doing some online studying, and I came across this picture. And, and believe it or not, this is actually the two steering wheels in a self-driving car. 
So I read the article, and the article said, it's in case the self-driving car, the artificial intelligence, doesn't have much intelligence. If it starts doing some weird stuff, either of the passengers can take over. And I'm going, why bother? Now, I was thinking about this, and I thought, how many, how, how would this work if those of you who are married and in this service today were to drive out of the parking lot today with this in your car? Would that just make your life better? Would, it, would you just agree 100% of the time on which direction you're going in life? No, there'd be all kinds of marriage counseling going on at our church, right? Because there would be fighting this way, no this way, no this way, this, no this way. This is a picture of what you and I try to do when we try to control our lives instead of God. There was this bumper sticker way back in the 70s when I was a kid. Um, I went, started grade school in 1970, so... But I remember this bumper sticker because I remember in our church they, there was an argument about this. It said, God is my co-pilot. Can I tell you, God's not your co-pilot. That is not biblical. Biblical is God's the pilot. You're some back in, somewhere back in coach class. You're not in business class. You're not in first class. You're back in coach class. God's in charge. If, if you try to be a co-pilot with God, you're going to mess up your life. If you try to be a pilot without God, you're going to mess up your life. God says he will give you wisdom and he'll help you figure out how to do this. So if, if the Bible offers wisdom, why aren't we all filled with wisdom? Well, the answer comes from Proverbs 3, 7. It says this, do not be wise in your own eyes. And we could just stop right there. The reason we're making such bad mistakes in our lives is because we're wise in our own eyes. God doesn't give good sense, good judgment to people who are wise in their own eyes. He gives them gives it to people who are wise in his eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. See, here's the bottom line. The Holy Spirit teaches the serious, not the curious. And our churches, at least in America, are filled with curious people, not serious people. Let me tell you how I know that. It comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 2. There are eight imperatives in Proverbs 2, the first seven verses, that, that you must do before you receive wisdom from God. An imperative is a command. You do these eight things, God says, I'll give you wisdom. Here it is. First one is, my child, listen, listen. Not just let it go in. You accept what God has to say. Second, he says, treasure these commands. It's like, it's like you see their gold, nuggets of gold, and you put them in, you treasure them, and you, you focus on those things in your heart and your mind. Tune your ears to wisdom. Remember radio stations, if you get just a little bit off and you had the little dial and, and you were on 98.4 and you need to be on 98.5 and it's just kind of, kind of annoying, God says, tune in to my voice. Concentrate on understanding. The Bible says that whatever captures your attention, captures your heart, captures the direction of your life. And so there's times you have to pay attention to God. You have to choose to focus on God. Concentrate to hear what God says. Cry out for insight, ask for understanding, search for them as you would for silver, seek them like hidden treasures, like a miner searching for gold. And I said this to you a few weeks ago, who's going to find more gold, the diligent miner who gets up and works hard every day or the lazy miner who just hopes gold will float his way? Which one? The diligent miner. If you want wisdom of God, you've got to do some mining, you've got to do some work because here's what God says. You do those eight things, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. Who grants wisdom? The Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Holy Spirit teaches serious people, not curious people. 
you demonstrate just a little bit of seriousness and God will pour out his blessings on you. You see, obtaining spiritual wisdom, it's not a once a week hobby. It is a spiritual discipline of a lifetime. You want to be wise, you got to put in the effort. So here's what we're going to look at over the next several weeks. Biblical wisdom protects our path. That's Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to look at that again in just a second. Biblical wisdom directs our path. That's Proverbs chapter 3. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. Biblical wisdom perfects our path. That's coming up after that. So here's how God protects our path. Look at at Proverbs 2, 7, and 8. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. A treasure of common sense. I love that. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. So you've got to be honest. You have to have integrity. And then look what it says. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Which means if you are dishonest, you don't have integrity, you're you're not a just person, God doesn't protect you and he doesn't guide your path. There's a price to pay if you want biblical wisdom, but there's a bigger price to pay if you do not get it. Are you with me? Price to pay, God gives you wisdom. You don't get it, there's a huge price, a bigger price to pay because you will be described by the Bible, by God, as a foolish person because wisdom was there and you just didn't seek it. Now, I'm going to show you three verses in the New Testament that have the power to change your future. We can't do anything about your past. God can redeem your past, and he can put you in connection with someone who's going through something similar to what you had, and God can help lead them to comfort and and growth because of your comfort and growth from God. We can't change your past. God can redeem it. But we can do something about your future. You can do something about your future. But I've got to tell you this. I'm going to show you a question that has, a, has, has a, the potential to foolproof your finances, your marriage, your dating life, your work life, your morality, or any other area where you need to make choices. Anybody need wisdom in any of those areas? This question will foolproof it, but I've got to give you a warning. Even though this question can help you out in the future, when I give you this question, some of you are going to resist. You want to know why? Because we're stubborn and we're stupid. Bottom line. If you want to continue being stubborn and stupid, this message isn't for you. Just tune me out. But if you want to do something a little bit different, pay attention today. Here they are in verses uh, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Here it is. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are what? Wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Do you see the question? Here it is. It's earth shattering. You ready for it? What is the wise thing to do? That just rocked your world, didn't it? Mind blown. Not yet. How can that question help you today, and how can it foolproof your marriage? Well, in in order to answer that question, I've got to back up a little bit. Paul is writing this book of Ephesians, this letter of Ephesians in the New Testament to the church at Ephesus, and he discovered that the people there were a very, very religious people. It was written to a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, and he says they're living in evil times. What does that mean? Well, when he first comes to Ephesus, he discovers that they are very religious and they're worshiping the mythological goddess named Artemis, or the the Romans called her Diana, and they built a, a, um, a temple to her. Here's what the temple looked like. This was considered one of the uh, seven wonders of the ancient world. Uh, if you read about it, incredible. The, the architecture required to get this thing even to stand. There were 127 columns all the way around. It was this magnificent skull, uh, structure. People came from miles around, not only to see this, but to worship there. Now, the, the, this, here's the weird thing about Artemis. I did a little study on her. Artemis was actually considered the, uh, the goddess of hunting. 
And then she requested, according to the mythology, she requested from her father that she wanted to be the goddess of perpetual virginity. She wanted to be a virgin forever and represent virginity. Here's how people get things messed up. So in Ephesus, at this temple, not only did they worship her as the huntress god and as the, the goddess of virginity, they started picking and choosing from other religions. This is what it says in, if, you, if you read all of this. So they picked this, we like this, we're going to use this, and they started picking from all these other crazy religions, and they added to it so that the reason this temple was so, um, so popular and, and so well-known is because that temple prostitution actually funded the work of the church. The men in Ephesus were very religious. Baby, I got to go to church today. I, I can't help it. And they didn't go for the, the music or the sermon, if you know what I'm talking about. This is how messed up we can be in our own minds. And we can say, this is religion. Let's go, let's go to church and, and have sex with a prostitute. Sounded like a good idea at the time. Here's all that's left of that temple. And that column, that single column, you notice there's different pieces. They've not found one column standing complete. They had the, this is a composite of several different things. And this is the monument to the worship of Artemis. And if you're a fool, that's what people are going to remember about you. Here's all that's left of that fool's life. Doesn't have to be that way. If you'll ask this question, what is the wise thing to do? Paul is writing to a group of people who used to be a part of this church. And they're being tempted to go back to their old lifestyle, the old ways of doing things. Why settle for a sermon when you could... Never mind, never mind, we won't go there. The Christians who had come out of this immoral lifestyle were being tempted to combine immorality and Christianity. Have you ever heard of Christians and churches today trying to combine immorality with Christianity? happens all the time and it's why the power of God is not resting on our churches Paul says be very careful how you live I was texting Jeff the other day and I said hey when was it that Mandy his daughter was bit by a copperhead without him thinking he, he puts July 2008 here's a picture of her foot um, she and her mama were walking up here at the RV park just up the road she was on the pavement. It was around dusk one night, and she was walking in flip-flops, and she got bit. And it was extremely painful. Um, she went through a whole lot of stuff. After she got bit, they found the snake. Here's an actual picture of the copper headless snake. That's the best kind, right? Two-foot-long copperhead was crawling around right up there. She was just walking along, just having a good evening, and she got bit. It was no longer a good evening. The first time I saw her after she was bit, and she'd begun to recover. She, she looked at me and, and kind of a little craziness in her eyes. She said, be very careful where you step. Now at the time, my kids, Caleb was 13, Rachel was 11, Hannah was eight. And she, she loved my kids and she was like, pay attention. Do not let your kids get bitten. You do not want, they do not want what that snake has to offer. And so since that time, since July of 2008, when I put my dogs up at night, my dogs are psycho, and so I can't let them run around because they'll bark outside my, my window, and I become psycho when I lack sleep, and I might do something foolish. But, so I put them in their kennel every night, and I put on this little headlight, and I walk out, 
And, and when I'm walking, I look very carefully. I shine the light right in front of me, and I walk, and I'm looking for something crawling wrong. You want to know why I do that? Because Mandy Gillis was bitten, and I've never forgotten the pain that she went through. And she said, be careful. So I try to be careful every night when I'm walking around putting my dogs up at night. Can I tell you that we're not careful very often? Um, you can't be careless and get where you want to go. So Paul, his... His warning is the same warning that Mandy gave me and Mandy would give you today. Be very, very careful. You can't stumble through life and get where you want to go. You're going to get bit if you're not careful. Don't live like those who are foolish, who are fools. Live wisely. When people think about your life as wise, the first word that comes up, maybe wise guy or some other term, but when people look at you, they go, man, that person is a person of wisdom. When they need the wisest answers around did they think of you and come to you i'm gonna guess no because most people do not ask what is the wise thing to do most people ask the most popular question ever the best question you can ever ask what is the wise thing to do the most popular question i've ever heard been in ministry almost 36 years here it is how far is too far how far can I go without breaking the law? How close can I get to disaster without experiencing the consequences of my sinful actions? How far can I go without, being called, without it being called sex? How far can I go without having to get married? How far is too far? There's no law against it. Everyone else is doing it. I'm not hurting anyone. Lie from hell that you're not hurting anyone. When you are committing sexual sin or any other sin, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting the person that you are committing it with. Lie from hell. How far can I go with my dating, my sex, my money without breaking the law or without get, making God mad at me? That's like asking, how close can I get to the copperhead without getting bit? Now, Mandy was just minding her own business. She wasn't doing anything dumb. But if you are asking, how far is too far? That's like saying, I'm going to keep on sticking my hand down there and I'm going to find out how far is too far. Stupid people find out and they get bit by the snake. Wise people do not. Paul says in his day, people were making unwise decisions. And so he's telling the Christians to pay attention because the days are evil. Are, the days, are our days any less evil than they were 2,000 years ago? They're remarkably similar. Because in that day, people weren't encouraging others to do the wise thing. They were encouraging people to do the unwise thing. And, and it's very similar today. So do not be foolish. And then look at the last phrase. It says, understand what the Lord wants you to do. You know what that means? It means you can learn God's will. Here, let me just break it down. You can learn God's will, but what it really means is God has a plan for your life that is better than your plan. His standard is higher for your life than how far is too far. He has a different standard in mind than how far can I go in my sex, in my marriage, in my money, my work, my dating? How far is too far? No, no, God's, God's standard is much higher than that is what is the wise thing for you to do? in the future. And to be quite honest with you, some of you right now, some of you are thinking, I don't want to ask what is the wise thing to do because I already know what the wise thing to do is and I don't want to do it. So what does that say about you? I'll tell you what it says about you. It says you're hard-hearted and hard-hearted people make stupid decisions. Now I'm not, <laughs> that preacher called me stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. Um, I'm not saying that we don't mess up because we mess up. I'm saying hard-hearted people make a life of it. 
make a life of stupid choices. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. And all that's going to be left is one column, and people are going to shake their heads and say, how foolish. If you're willing to risk doing something different today, God can change your future. What's it going to hurt to try a different path than what you've been on? If, If we go out of our parking lot today, and you turn right on 155, and you stay on 155, what is the first town you're going to come to? Frankston. I don't know what some of the rest of you said, but Frankston. Oh, Doug, that's so narrow-minded. I don't have to go to Frankston if I get on 155 and stay on that path. Hello? I can get on this path of sexual immorality. It's not going to take me to destruction. I can get on this path of financial stupidity. I'll have lots of money to show for it at the end. Principle of the path is you're going to get wherever the path you're on leads you. If you're on the dumb path, why not choose the wise one? Why not do something different? So we're going to ask this question. We're going to ask it three different ways. First one, in light of my past, what is the wise thing to do? In light of my past, what is the wise thing to do? In light of where I ended up the last time I chose this path, what is the wise thing to do? In light of the last time she asked me over, the last time I went there, the last time I went to that bar, the last time I went with the guys somewhere, what is the wise thing for me to do? If you're divorced, what is the wise thing for you? Is it wise for you to start dating immediately after your divorce is over? Somebody please answer that. Is it wise for you to start dating before your marriage is over? People do it all the time. If you're deeply in debt, is it wise to have a credit card? Is it wise to charge anything? How did that work out for you last time? If you're dating in light of your past relationships, is it wise for you to be going out with a jerk? How did that work last time? If you look at your life and you go, why does every relationship end up the same way? The short answer is because every relationship started the same way. You did not ask, what is the wise thing for me to do? If you struggle with drugs and alcohol, is it wise for you to be around drugs and alcohol? If you struggle with pornography, is it wise for you not to have some type of internet filter? I was at a praying pelican meeting a few weeks ago. We got to go to a uh, Minnesota game, and there's a guy that's now on staff at Praying Pelican. He was sitting here, and, and he started with, I was fired from my ministry job because I left my laptop open and my people saw that I was viewing internet porn. That's what he opened with. I was like, wow. And now he's, now he's working with Praying Pelicans, so he just told me this whole story. I've missed several innings of the game as he's telling me his story, but he, here's what he said. He goes, I cannot get on the Internet without having men who monitor my behavior. It was too costly last time. And so we were talking about the Internet filter, and he said, not only is it an Internet filter, but if I go anywhere questionable, they immediately get a text, and I'm going to get a phone call from these men saying, what are you doing? Man, that seems wise to me, considering where he's been. Let me just mention Celebrate Recovery to you. Why should you go to Celebrate Recovery? It's for anybody with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And I'm not even going to ask you if there's anyone here who doesn't have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, because you do. 
Why would you want to go to celebrate recovery? Because it's fun? Because it's cool? Because it's convenient? Nope. Because it's wise to learn how to heal from your hurts, habits, and hang-ups God's way. And one of the reasons I promote the landing over and over on Tuesday nights is because it's for 13 to 18-year-olds who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It is designed for teenagers. And my prayer is that our church and the landing becomes this place where 13 to 18-year-olds learn how to heal from their hurts, habits, and hang-ups so they don't turn into 30, 40, 50-year-olds who are still stuck in their teenage years when somebody abused them or did something to them. How freeing it would be for these teenagers if they learn how to heal and to live wisely. Oh, that's what the church is about. Second way we're going to ask this question, in light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? So it's like this, considering the season of life that I'm in, what is the wise thing to do? Years ago, I was in a Sunday school class, and this was a huge Sunday school class. It was adult one, and um, we all were married, and we all had children about the same age, little bitty kids. And there were four or five guys, and these were awesome guys. I loved hanging out with these guys. But every uh, three or four weeks, they would go to a late movie. And so one day they call me up and say, hey, Doug, you want to go to the late movie? All right, a couple of things. I've got two or three kids. I don't remember how many I had at the time. But, but my wife hates being at my house after dark without me being there. Can't stand it. These guys are like, hey, you want to go to the late movie? And I'm like, nope. Why not? I said, my wife hates being at the house after dark. Oh, come on, everybody's doing it. Nope. These guys would go to the movie, and then that wasn't enough. They would go to the pit grill. We don't even have the pit grill anymore, but most of you know where the pit grill was. They would eat eggs and drink coffee till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and then go to work the next day. And I'm like, you are dumb. Come on, Doug, come with us. Nope. The new guy who would go, this happened several times, the new guy who would go did not tell his wife when he was going to come in. So the new guy's wife is calling the other wives at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, where's my husband? He went with your husband. Oh, they're probably at the pit grill. Can you say stupid? I'm sorry, that just doesn't make any sense to me. That stage in life, now let me tell you, this stage in life when I'm supposed to be empty nested, we're almost empty nested. Rachel will be married in a month. If I want to go to the late movie with my wife, I'm going late movie with my wife. If I want to go what was formerly known as the pit grill with my wife in the middle of the night, I can do that. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not going with you. <laughs> I'm not going without my wife. That just doesn't seem wise to me. When, uh, when our kids were younger, I distinctly remember when all three children could go to the bathroom by themselves, they could dress themselves, they could brush their own teeth, and in a pinch, they could cook their own supper. It may have been macaroni and cheese, but we taught them how to survive on macaroni and cheese. And so I kind of, I remember because I channeled William Wallace from Braveheart, and I said, freedom, right? And we stood up, Janie and I stood up, held up our hands to our children. We said, new rule, unless your friends can brush their own teeth, dress themselves, go to the bathroom by themselves, and cook their own meal, they cannot come to our house. Because I raised you, and I trained you. I'm not raising and training somebody else's. And there would be times. Can our kids go? Nope. Mm -mm. We reached a new stage of life, and we were celebrating. 
Janie missed church when, when our kids were little several times, not because she wanted to, because it was the wise thing to do, because our kids were sick. And if you have sick children, is it wise to take them and throw them in a room with other children? No. In light of your current financial situation, is it wise to go buy a new vehicle? Years ago, a um, couple that was a good friend of mine, they had thousands and thousands, like $30,000 of unsecured debt. Unsecured debt means it's not a house or it's not a car. It's, it, they can't come and take something back from you. It's just, it's just debt you ran up on a credit card, right? So this, these friends, they had all of this debt, and they said, we got to pay this off. So they began paying it off while still tithing to the church, giving 10% of their income to the church. This incredible thing. They were so excited. They shared their story. People loved their story, cheered for them. Woo! And then one day, I don't even remember why, several of us were trying to get a hold of them. And we had been trying for hours, and we're calling each other. Hey, have you heard from them? Heard from them? Nobody had heard from them. And we were actually getting worried. Somebody went by their house to make sure, you know, that they were okay. And they weren't there. And we're like, they're not answering their phone. Hours later, they come driving up in a brand spanking new car. And they said, we just stopped to look. And before we knew it, we're in crazy amount of debt. You want to know why they didn't answer their phone? Because they knew somebody was going to say, you just dug yourself out of incredible, are you sure you, is it the wise thing to go back into debt again? If you go running off and you're not answering your phone when your accountability partners call, you have a hard heart and you're about to do something stupid. In light of the current status of your marriage, is it wise for you to be working your way up the ladder? In light of where you want your relationship to be with your children someday, is it wise for you to be spending so much time at work and not time with your children? Should you buy that new house, open that new card? Should you skip small groups? If we, if we offer Financial Peace University, should you skip that? Never once have I heard somebody say, I waited too long to open that credit card. I should have gone into debt sooner. You never hear people say, I waited too long after my divorce to get married. I should have run out and gotten married sooner. All the time I hear people say, man, I wish I'd waited. Man, I wish I'd waited. <laughs> In light of where you want to be, where you are right now, what's the wise thing to do? Third level. Third, third way we're going to ask this question. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Part of the reason you're not where you want to be right now is because of the decisions you made in your past. You robbed yourself of the future you wanted. You robbed your spouse. You robbed your children because of your decisions in the past. So you need to ask, in light of where I want to be, 5, 10, 15, 30 years from now, what is the wise thing to do today? Your financial future will be determined by the decisions you make today. The relationship you have with your spouse will be determined by the decisions you make today. The relationship you have with your adult children will be determined by the choices you make today. You know how I know that? Because I'm looking in the faces of people whose parents made decisions that destroyed them, and I've heard many of your stories. And it started years ago, and their parents did not ask, what is the wise thing to do? So don't ever feed me a line that, that your choices today aren't going to impact your future. Don't you ever say, lighten up, Doug. And don't you ask me how far is too far. Most of the time, the Bible doesn't tell us. In light of what you want to tell your future spouse someday, how far is too far? 
in light of how far you want the person you're going to marry someday to go, how far is too far? You're going to bring every sexual partner you've ever had into your marriage. So in light of how many partners your spouse has, how many partners you want her to bring or him to bring into the marriage, how many's how many is enough for you? How far is too far for you? In light of how many sexual partners you want to tell your children you've had, how far is too far? None of us plans to mess up. None of us plans to get married and then get divorced. None of us plans to have tens of thousands of dollars of unsecured debt. Nobody plans to get pregnant as a teenager out of wedlock but we don't plan not to. How do you plan not to? You begin asking the question, what is the wise thing for me to do? And if you don't want to ask the question, I've got one more little piece of advice from Proverbs for you. It's Proverbs 28, 26. He or she who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. You want wisdom, God's offering but you've got some choices to make. <laughs> you can be wise. Think if you'd asked this question 10 years ago, where would your relationship be now? Just three years ago, if you'd asked, what is the wise thing to do? How much more money would you have today than three years ago? Can't change the past. We can do a lot about your future. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you've given us your word and if we'll just pay attention, if we'll listen, if we'll treasure your word in our hearts. God, I, I, I remember King David's words in Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure? And then he answers his own question by keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, make us a wise church. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.